Hey, God bless you and welcome back to Bless Not Stress, the Christian self-improvement motivational podcast. My name is Zedir Darius and you know my mission, that is to empower you with the Word of God. Today I have a special guest. He is the lead pastor of Generation Church, a church here in South Florida. Pastor Rich, thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely, Zedir. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, I think it's a privilege. I know it's a privilege to be with the Bless Not Stress family. And um, man, you know, I love doing things like this, just talking about God's goodness, his faithfulness, and really, you know, how he can use anybody to do something incredible. And so just being able to have a platform like this one to be able to talk about these things, share stories, and um, in that know that we're encouraging so many people. Um, I count that as an honor, man. And uh, I just, um, I'm thank you for having me and, and I'm just glad to be here. Thank you very much. So for the people that are listening right now, um, how about you tell us a little, about, a little bit more about yourself, who you are, how you got started in the path of God? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So my name is Rich Romero and I'm 31 years old and uh, my life has been a wild one. I would say that, man. Uh, it's, it's just really been a story of really just seeing God's faithfulness through and through. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it started when I was 16 years old. That's when I, that's when I met Jesus. I was baseball player. That was my goal, you know, just kind of get through college playing baseball and then we'll figure it out after that. So that was all I really cared about, man. And, and at 16, I, I started attending a, um, a church here in Miami, prominent church in South Florida. Um, I met the Lord there and then started serving there in youth church, really just being a part of student ministry and um, just, you know, going to just, you know, town to town, preaching the gospel through events, uh, small groups, all types of events like that. And I met my wife there. Met Tina there, and so really we we're high school sweethearts. We uh, we've been together since 2000, 2005. Wow. And we got married in two thousand eleven. Yeah, we got married in two thousand eleven, and um, I have two beautiful baby girls. Uh, one of them is Mila. She was born in twenty seventeen. She's two, and then our youngest one is Havana, and uh, we have one on the way. So we have nice. three girls in total. So uh, our third baby girl is going to be arriving in December. And so uh, it's, it's, it's been a beautiful, beautiful story, man. You know, I, uh, when I met Jesus and graduated high school, I made a decision to um, pretty, pretty much let go of baseball, let go of all my self-interest. And I went to Bible college. Uh, I went to study in Columbus, Ohio for two years. And that was just a moment of my life, man, where, you know, I was really just wrestling with God and wrestling with the purpose that he had for me. You know, I've been walking with him now for several years and, and I knew there was more, you know. And so um, I said, yes, I took, you know, I went into uncharted waters and, and I went to a Bible college, man, where it was there where I, you know, my life was confirmed that I was going to be doing this for the rest of it, you know, just really giving it to the ministry, giving it to God. And so it was there, man, where I met a lot of friends, a lot of people that are super imperative to where I am today. I met my pastor there. And nice. um, when I came back, I was 21 years old and um, I took a youth pastoring position right away. And um, it was, it was, you know, a mutual friend of ours. He had been my youth pastor at the time. And, um, you know, I think it was crazy to let somebody youth pastor at 21, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was such a season of growth and learning. And, um, and I think it was some of the greatest times of my life, man. And so since the age of 21, I've been in ministry. I, I've been doing this, man. I'm 31 now. So 10 years. Of, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, man. Part-time, full-time ministry. And just really seeing God move in that, you know, I think it's, uh I think it's special and I think it's definitely a blessing to be able to do this full time and be able to dedicate your life to it, man. So now really that, when, that's, that's how I got started. Yeah. You said that, you know, you were very interested in baseball and that's what you wanted to pursue. Then you came into the path of God at 16. When is it that you decided that, I, okay, you know, maybe I'm not going to go into baseball, but God has called me to something else. When did that happen? 
Well, I think it was twofold, man. I think number one, I realized that I wasn't that good. That was number one. <laughs> I wasn't that good, you know, um, so that kind of helped ease my decision. But um, man, it was just my senior year of high school, you know, uh, playing baseball, doing all that. Really have, I still have a heart and passion for sports. As a matter of fact, just to, to, to put a side story, when I was in school, in college, um, my whole goal, you know, my whole vision was to start a sports outreach program here in South Florida when I returned um, surrounding, you know, flag football tournaments, which we had already done a couple, you know, um, here. I was a part of some of that stuff there and kind of getting together with FCA. And so it was going to be called the Summit. And so God has always kind of just aligned me into the sports world, reaching these athletes, reaching these students, kind of just locker room ministry. And so that was always in my heart, man. But at 18, senior year, I just kind of knew that um, I had a gift. I knew that I was able to communicate the gospel in an effective way. And so I wanted to just continue to explore that, man. And in that exploration, it just, you know, God continued to close doors and open doors um, that kind of led me into knowing, hey, this is, this is, this is, you know, this is what I'm cut out to do. This is what God's created me to do. And for, you know, many of my listeners, they're very young. Um, and you said you started at 16. What was one of those obstacles or battles that you faced at the age of 16, you know, when you started in the path of God? <clears throat> Yeah, uh, you know, when you're a young person, um, kind of just set on fire for Jesus, at least for me, man, in the community that I met God, it was radical and it was fun. And it was, you know, every week was different and it was events and speakers and big crowds. And it was it was cool to see, you know what I mean? But I had to quickly realize um, that the gospel, the community of Jesus was not about any of those things. You know what I mean? It was not about the big crowds. It was not about the platform, but as a young person, that's all you see and that's all you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it was like, man, you know, I got a story to tell. I, I, I want to, I want to do this. and I want to do that. And I want to be there. And so I think a lot of the, a lot of times that, that in and of itself, that self ambition um, is the obstacle is the setback. You know, I think sometimes as young kids, we're so eager to do a lot. And yeah. not eager to take the humility approach and say, hey, how can I learn right now? How can I serve right now? And so I think from, from in my teenage years, the biggest lesson that I learned was, hey, listen, it's all about humility and it's all about serving. And as a matter of fact, when I learned that, it's never stopped being that. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly what that was back then. It's exactly what it is now. It's never about a platform. It's never about a, a, a logo or an ego, but it's about serving others and letting jesus be exemplified and so man i think that that was my biggest obstacle early on man just trying to to to, to you know to be great or trying to make it all about me and i had to quickly be humbled in that you know you know one of the first interviews that i did right now it was with this guy named evan carmichael and he wrote a book titled built to serve and it's crazy how god is bringing you know these messages through this um, podcast of letting people know the importance of serving. Cause yeah. I wrote a book myself and one of the chapters was pick up your towel. And what I really admired was that, you know, in the time when all the disciples were wondering, Hey, who's going to be the greater, who's going to be the greater, you know, they were in the table and, and Jesus comes with a basin of water and a towel. And if you imagine, and this is something that I learned from the book, um, uh, celebration of discipline by Richard Foster, that yes. you can just, imagine what all those people were thinking there, you know, oh my God, he's about to tell us who's going to be the least. 
they wanted to know who was going to be the greatest, but they, he, they were just thinking, you know, who's going to be the least. And Jesus showed them right there that leadership is all about servanthood. And he started serving by washing the feet. And I just feel that that's one of the messages that, you know, God wants to bring not only to me, but to the people that are listening about the importance of serving others. And it's, you know, it's amazing to see how God taught you that at an early age and now has you in, you know, you weren't praying for the platform or you weren't pl- praying for, for, for that, but God has has given you the platform to teach the right stuff. Yeah. So it's it's amazing and it's you know crazy to see how God opens doors because of all of this. I was listening to the 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 latest um, sermon that you gave in Generation Church about this is our cause, and uh, you know you went into you, you started at eighteen, you started twenty one ministry, and then at what age is it that you started to see that you know what God is calling me for opening up a church and and how was that process there? Sure, man. And, and that's really where my walk with Jesus uh, truly took a next step, I would say, man, because those years uh, were really where my faith was stretched. And I really had to, you know, when somebody says, hey, I'm living, you know, I'm living in faith or I'm living by faith, you can say that. But then there's another thing to truly live in faith. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're yeah. waking up the next day, truly trusting that God has you and that God has, you know, provision for you and your family, man. So uh, I'll share this story in detail, man, because I love talking about it. And I, and I think there's a lot of encouragement in this, you know? Um, you know, so like I said, I started, I started part-time youth ministry, uh, 21, uh, spent three and a half years there at that church plant, really building that church. And it was wonderful. I was working at Chase Bank at the time, just, uh, uh, full time. So I was kind of in, you know, both worlds there in the finance world and in ministry. And in 20, uh, 2013, 2014, I got an opportunity to go full-time at my home church which is the church where I met the Lord. And so I took that position, which was a position to just be on staff and build an English ministry similar uh, to where you are, you know, today. And I, uh, yeah, I was offered that to build a, uh, a an English ministry in a, in a predominantly Hispanic church. And I was there for another three and a half years. And um, in 2015, I attended, I was in New York City visiting some friends with Tina, my wife. And um we were attending a Hillsong conference and, I, and I'll never forget this man, plain as day. We were there kind of like day two of the conference. We were on our way to Brooklyn, kind of meet some friends there. And while we were walking those streets, man, I heard just clearly in my soul, man, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, there's more, there's more, and there's a church inside of you. Hmm. And, you know, as, as me, as a young man at the time, I was, I don't know, maybe 26 years old, 25 years old, whatever that age was. And I'm like, man, you know, that's not me. You know, like I, I want to be a youth pastor forever. You know, I want to spend the church's budget. You know, I want to run a budget. <laughs> I don't want to be a lead pastor. I, I just want to continue to have the best youth programs here in, in the city that I can. And it was something that I've never, that I've never, I never wanted. My wife and I were very clear on that. We never want to be lead pastors. And so when I heard that, it was almost like scary to talk about it. You know, it was like, man, was that God or was that the bad pizza that I just ate? Was that something else that happened? You know, and so I told Tina and, and she's like, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll table this, we'll talk about it after because that year 2016, that was upcoming, that was 2015, we were getting ready to do our biggest youth conference yet in February. And so we said, hey, after this conference, we'll, we'll revisit this conversation, we'll bring it up to our pastors, and we'll continue the dialogue. So sure enough, 2016 was a year of conversation, heavy prayer and heavy dialogue with our pastors as far as is this what God has for us, you know? Is this where God wants us? And so we spent a full year praying this thing through, man. And sure enough, it was confirmed um, that this was our next season in life. We didn't know how, we didn't know what, we didn't know where, but we just knew it was a church. And um, 
at the end of 2016, we got together with the ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. Um, the reason we got together with this church family of, or this network of family churches is because my pastor, Josh and Tiffany Cossie, um, they planted their church through them in 2011. Uh, they have an incredible church out in Oklahoma City called Faith Church. And the moment we kind of knew this was our next step, we automatically went to ARC and we knew they were healthy. We knew they were exactly what we, what we you know, want. And so we applied, man. It was like a two months, two month application process, recommendations, papers, all this stuff. And um, we got approved. We got, we, we got the green light that January of 2017. We went to Birmingham, Alabama, which is where they're based out of Pastor Chris Hodges' church. And then um, we did our training there, man. We got accepted. And then that January, we set forth the entire year to raise funds, build a team, find the location, see God and how this is going to happen. And, uh, and that was the goal. So in 2017, we came back. We had already transitioned out of our staff positions at our church. And, uh, man, I was doing all sorts of things that year, man. My wife is a school teacher, so she, she's never stopped working as a teacher. She's still a teacher today. And um, I was doing all things, all types of things, man. We, I was uh, driving Uber. I was driving Lyft. I was uh, working at 5 a.m. at a warehouse in Hialeah, packing boxes for air, airplanes. I had a vision. You know what I mean? I knew where we were going, and I knew that it was going to be a season of sacrifice. You know, that, that in 2016, remember that year of prayer that I was telling you about? Yeah. Because we knew this was what God was confirming, we went ahead and refinanced our house. And so we, uh, we took all the equity out of it, man, paid all of our debts and put the rest in a savings account because we were truly going to be living by faith. You know, we were leaving our jobs, you know what I mean? And so I was doing that for 2017, man. And just uh, to make a long story short, that year was not only about building team and raising funds, but it was also about defining the why behind what God was putting in our hearts to do. You know, we're just going to be another type of church. You know, the question was, why not just join a good, healthy church that's already doing great things in the city? You know, once we were confirmed that we were going to plant here in Miami, we had to wrestle down the why. Why are we going to exist? What type of church is God calling us to build? And our story and, and the reason we even named the Generation Church is both my wife and I uh, come from broken homes. You know, that's where we come from. Her, her family is divorced. My family was divorced. Her dad has struggled with addiction to drugs his whole life. I lost my dad to addiction in 2016. That's been our story. You know what I mean? And so when God was really putting this in our hearts, we knew that this church was going to be different. We're not trying to be a cool church. We're not trying to be a trendy church. We're trying to be a church that exists for something specific. And um, that's when we got the name Generation, that it was going to be something not great that only God does in us, but he's going to be doing something greater in the next generation to come. Amen. What he's doing in us, awesome. But there's another generation that's going to be blessed one after that. And that's how we got the name, man, with the vision of inspiring people far from God to be established in Christ forever. And everything we do at church, man, if you go on our website, on our Instagram, just our language all around it every, every day from everybody who's a part of our church is that word established. Because we feel that we're called to make people right deeply rooted in Jesus, not just uh, phased Christians, not just seasonal believers, no, no, people that are established in Jesus, knowing that when the storms of life come, we may bend, but we'll never break, you know? And, um, and that's what you need to build generational faith, right? It's generational faith down the pipeline, down the legacy charts um, that allows you to do that when you're deeply rooted in Christ and established in him, man. And so uh, that was the vision. You had to wrestle that to the ground, you know, where we're going to fight for families. You know, we're going to fight divorce head on. We're going to be known for love and unity. And we're going to fight for the blended homes and blended families and single moms and 
So really, if you come around Generation Church today, you'll see that the biggest budget it's spent in our kids' ministry. You'll see that everything is surrounding family initiatives and family projects and DCFS and all these things because that's what we know God's called us to do. So uh, in 2017, man, we uh, that summer we started our campaign, really just building a team. You know what helped us, if I can be honest, that we were you know we're born and raised here in Miami, and so we had done so much ministry in Miami. You know it, it was it was a little bit easier than parachuting into a new city, which is what we call a church planner that goes to a new place that God's called them, doesn't know anybody. I have a lot of friends like that. We know a lot of people like that. My wife and I are now coaching church planners for ARC. So we, we see these type of stories, man, and they're so commendable. But for us, it was a matter of, you know, God called us to come here to Miami, man. There's such a need here. You know, 61% of this uh, community doesn't believe in Christ or either unchurched or de church. And we know the need that is here in South Florida. So we knew this is the place that God's called us to plant. And so that summer, man, we built a team of over 100 people. And wow. we found- yeah, and we fundraised uh, over two hundred thousand dollars. That was our our that was our goal, and you know a big chunk of that of that offering or that launch budget came from Tina and I. You know we we had refinanced our home, we had fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and we gave it all. You know I I didn't want to go into this with any stones unturned. I didn't want to go into this and have any type of regrets. I wanted to give everything that I can possibly give to God, knowing that this was what He's called me to do, and I'm going to live in faith, and so. We gave that initially and then the rest came in through fundraising, through the team, through sponsorships. And it was just beautiful to see all that come together. And so uh, we purchased a full-blown church, man. It lives in our trailers. We don't have a building. You know, we're a portable, we're a pop-up church. And so we were buying all that, training at all that. And we can talk detail another time about the actual launch phase, you know, and how that works. But uh, that winter we got ready to launch man and in january 21st of 2018 we launched in coral gables which is our home at poncelo middle school and we had 594 people in attendance and 36 people gave their lives to jesus and we've never looked back we've and what was back. the it was a year and a half of preparation for that launch yeah man so i would say you know since 2015 you know since 2015 the fall of that you know really two and a half years of just seeking the Lord, making sure that this is what he has for us. I think sometimes we get so eager to rush into things and to run after things and, you know, with all the best intentions of the world. But I think a lot of times like that, we can miss God. Yeah. You know, and we can miss our assignment. So I knew for sure I didn't want to rush into this. You know, um, I'll say this, man, pastoring is the greatest job in the world, but it's also the most difficult job in the world. You know, I would say. And it's not easy. So I would always say, you, you better make sure that this is what God you know, has led you to. But once you know, man, run after it, you know, with no, with no remorse, with no reservations, run after it because it's going to be the most fulfilling journey of your life. And this is also really important to share because many times people are going to see, you know, the Instagram, they're going to see the pictures of Generation Church, the nice logo, the nice pictures, the way you guys record everything. And they see the success that you guys are experiencing right now, but they don't see the sacrifice that you guys had to go through. You know, like they they might see you up there preaching and, uh, you know, all the pastors are always hit on because, oh my God, pastors, they just want to live off the church, but they don't know that, you know, you were there doing the Uber Eats in order to start the church for God, that you were deciding to leave everything 
to do that. So it's important because not only for the people that are talking, but also for the people that are going through that, the people that are going through, hey, I have a vision, God wants me to do something. But in this stage of my life, I am going through these battles. In this stage of my life, you know, I, I'm, I'm jumping from one job to another, and I don't know how God is going to do it. And, and this is how God does it. You know, he just surprises us through the process. So it's, it's amazing to see that story. Now, you said that your church is like a mobile mobile church. Um, how harder is that than a regular church? Yeah, man, that's a good question. But I, I would just add to that, you know, one of the things that is a common language in our community is that the best parts of Generation Church will never show up on an Instagram. The best parts of Generation Church will never show up on social media because it's about people and it's about the stories and it's about the wins and the losses. You know what I mean? It's about the mountaintops and the valleys that will never show up on a highlight reel. And that's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of God's journey. You know, um, I think sometimes, man, we get so caught up in the social media, you know, cycle, including yeah. me man, as a pastor. Now, I'll be I'll be vulnerable here on, on on the show, man, on the program. You know, as a as a young church planner, it's so easy to dive in into the competition pool. You know what I mean? Of wow, look at this other church planner and look what they're doing and look at this great church and how come they have a building and we don't. And it's easy to fall into that game, man. And you have to continually not only have accountability in your life, right? Not only have good oversight and and pastors in your life, but also just have self-awareness and say, I'm not going to give into this lie. I've seen so many leaders, church leaders, man, or just leaders in general fall into that trap and they can't get out. And, um, and, and like, you know, Pastor Craig Rochelle says, he says, you know, the, the thief of joy is comparison. And um, it's so easy to lose sight of the beauty of what God's doing in your life when you have your eyes set upon something else, you know? And so I would just say, man, Instagram and Facebook, it's great. It's a great tool, man, but that's, it's nowhere near uh, the story, you know? So be careful with that. But yeah, man, we are a, we are a pop-up church. Uh, you know, our whole church lives inside of a trailer or two trailers. Uh, you know, we have one 24-foot trailer and one 16-foot trailer. We haul those bad boys in with pickup trucks every single week. Um, and, uh, at six in the morning, man, we're there and we don't leave the premises till 3 PM. So we have a full blown school. We have a full blown basketball gym where we have our, 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 our kids church. Um, that's one trailer just for kids church. And then we have an auditorium, a 600 seater where we, uh, really just have the rest of the trailer for all the audio equipment and all that. But we don't use anything from the school. We literally set up an entire church. I mean, down to the bones, you know? Um, the school has been grace, gracious enough to give us an external closet. So we have all of our signage in there. So we don't have to haul around, you know, A-frames and flags and banners. It lives at the school. So that's a big help. But yeah, man, we got a naked church that we really build up from the ground up. And, uh, and that's been fun, man. So six in the morning is call time and 3 p.m. is when you leave. <laughs> However, this, this past fall, man, we were able to, to find our first official building, which is what we call headquarters. Um, oh. so that's right there on, in South Miami, it's in, on us one and 67th Avenue and it's wonderful, man. All of our staff works out of there. We also have it for storage and it's such a beautiful, great space for us. It's five minutes from our church. And so now a lot of the stuff is, is functioning in there. And now because of COVID and the pandemic, it's a full blown studio. It's where we record out of now. Uh, the videos you see there, um, our worship team does their sets there too, man. So that's, that's what we call HQ. And so now we have a little bit more of a, you know, space to work with and, and just, uh, just flex space, really. That's our own. And you said something right now about how, you know, COVID changed a lot of things right now, including, you know, how the churches are running. Um, what are the obstacles that you guys are facing right now through, through COVID? And how are you guys like, you know, coming at them? Yeah, I think, I think the first, um, 
you know, the very first thing that, that we had to really wrestle with was the, the fight to go back to normal. I think we had to really wrestle that idea down, you know, because at first, you know, March and, and April, when we had to shut down, I'll, I'll never forget that week in March 15th, we we're like, ah, it's, you know, a little two week thing here. We're going to shut down, no problem. And, and for us, a little bit trickier because we are at the mercy of the school district. You know, we don't own a building. So the school says, hey, you're shutting down, you're shutting down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, like, oh, we know it's not, not a big deal. We'll take this break. We'll go online. We have, our, we have our HQ space. We'll be able to film everything there. But then it was the wrestling with our team and our church of when are we going back to normal? And we had to really wrestle that thought down because what is normal, yeah. you know? And does God want us to go back there? I thought that was bad. Not that that's, you know, not the plan, but does God want us to go back there or is God doing something new in the, in the worst time of our lives, when people are losing jobs, people are losing their lives, we're getting sick, you know, can God use this to bring a new refreshment to his body, to his church? And is there something different? And we really had to just communicate that and talk about that and be open to that in our prayer, in our preparations. And, and this for us, man, it's been a season of pivoting. That's the word we've been talking all around our staff and our church. We're going to pivot. And sure enough, have we pivoted? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you work two weeks to launch this great new strategy. And then we go, we have a shutdown and you work another month to bring a new strategy and then you're closed again. And so we've been constantly pivoting man, changing, calling audibles. And that's been a beautiful part of this uh, season, man. But it has been hard in the sense of making sure that you're doing everything you can in the natural and letting God do everything he can in the supernatural because you, you, you're not meeting in person. Yeah. And as much as, as great as your online content can be, um, it's not the same as being in the room and everybody knows that, you know, uh, God, the synergy of people coming together, God moving in agreement with people there in the same room. It's amazing. But at the same time, God's not limited to a building, right? Yep. That's not limited to the normal that we know and what we're comfortable with. And so I think more than a challenge has really been looking at it as an opportunity. You know, um, I had the privilege in this season to sit in a room quite like this on uh, a Zoom call with John Maxwell and the ARC family. And wow. the biggest question that he gave to us pastors was, um, you have two, you, you're going to come out of this in two different ways, you know, out of, out of this pandemic. One is you're going to choose to stay the same, right? Only waiting for this to be over and just doing the bare minimum, or you're going to seize the opportunity that you have before you, and you're going to come out of this season bigger, better, and stronger. You know, you're going to be reading more books. You're going to be praying more. You're going to be studying more. You're going to be spending more time with your family, time that you never would have had any other way. And so for me, man, I, I told my wife and I, we just made the decision. We're going to come out of this different. We're going to seize the opportunity that's ahead of us, and we're not going to complain about it. We're not going to reminisce on how good it was back then. And we're going to see the beauty of the season that we're in now. And we're going to find the rhythm in it. That, that's, that's amazing. And I, I saw John Maxwell at the International Maxwell Certification Conference in Orlando back in 2018. And it was just amazing. He's an amazing guy and, and an awesome communicator. And I love how he said, if you're going to seize the opportunity. Um, I was doing this um, Bible study within my youth ministry. And uh, we were reading the book of Romans. And one of the things that we see in Romans is that as Paul was speaking, he says that, sin saw the opportunity and he sees the opportunity in us and and it's talking about sin and uh, and it's crazy because if you know the bible says that the devil is you know the devil is smart and and we need to be even smarter and if the devil looks for ways to seize the opportunity to make us fall 
to, to, you know, to break us, to, to want to break us, to put the obstacles in front of us. I loved how John Maxwell said that now it's our turn to seize the opportunity. That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. Now, now, now it's our turn to, to seize the opportunity in this season that we are in right now as well. And uh, it, it's re- it really got to me right now what you just said. You know, we're talking about going back to normal and you don't know if this is what God wants to take. And, and it's all about God being in control. It's not like God lost control right now during COVID. You know, God is still control. Where is he taking us? That's the question. And even though this caught us by surprise, it didn't catch him by surprise, you know. And now it's just a matter of finding the rhythm in the season. And maybe we will go back to a building. I'm not one of these guys that is anti-building. You know, maybe we do go back, but I can tell you sure enough that the church will never be the same. Um, and for us, man, like what we've been able to do online and preach the gospel to so many other people that will never come to Coral Gables, will never step foot in Generation Church, and they've been receiving Jesus. I mean, how can we ever forget about them? How can we ever not attain, not not serve them? You know, so even if whenever that day comes that we go back to a building, you know what I mean? We now have our foot set into the online world, and um, that's a world worthy of exploration, knowing that there's so many more people that we can reach there. And so even if this season was just for that, for yeah. us, that's everything, you know? Amen. And um, one of the things that John Maxwell teaches is that everything rises and falls in leadership. Right, right now that we see generation, I want to know how did you grow? And, and the very first law of the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is, you know, the law of the lid. How you as the leader, if you raise the lid, you know, you give space for the people under you to grow as well. So one of the questions is that, you know, as a pastor, you have even more responsibilities. And as a leader, you have greater responsibilities. What were the things that you begin to change or the things that you begin to learn as a leader to take generation where it is right now? Sure. I think it was, well, I mean, there's so much, man. I think we can talk about that just that concept in so many different angles but when it comes to leadership um i would say man is 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 it's empowering people you know um one of some of the language that we use at church always since even before we opened our doors was teen and i are not the only church planners you know what i mean everybody who said yes to be on this launch team is now a church planner you know it doesn't matter if you're on the platform. It doesn't matter if you're in G Kids. It doesn't matter if you're in the foyer or in the first impressions team. All of us are church planners. And so with that, you know, we made sure that we empowered those team members to be able to make decisions and be able to be problem solvers and be able to be stretched in their gift and in their talents because this is not about Rich and Tina. Amen. It's not my show. It's not, a, it's not my church, you know. Uh, something that John Maxwell says all the time is when he was leading his church, before he set his foot on stage, he would be backstage. He would tell God, Lord, I'm resigning today. <laughs> no, this is your church and I'm just here to serve you. And you know, the power of that I'm resigning today, it's not about me. And Amen. so just that understanding, like every single week I have to resign because it's not Rich's church, right? It's his church. And even that man, and we can talk about this in a different way. When we were raising funds and, 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 and had those long nights of, is this even going to happen? Are people going to show up? Are we going to be able to hit these deadlines? I had to remind myself that this is not my church. And if it's his church, he's going to fund it. If it's his church, he's going to build it. You know what I mean? He's going to bring the people. It's not about me. I'm just here to steward it, right? I'm just here to make sure that it is, it is doing what, it's got, what he wants it to do. And so with people and with leadership, it's the same thing. Generation is a community where people are discovering Jesus, discovering their purpose and making a difference, you know, finding freedom in that. And so letting people be empowered to make decisions, to grow in their faith and their leadership is what it's all about, man. 
You know, we talk about, you know, how many other church planners are in, are in generation church right now. How many youth pastors are in generation church right now? How many worship leaders, how many, how many businessmen and doctors and philosophers and lawyers and teachers are in right now in this community that we can grow mold and teach to make the difference. And so I would say that, man, it wasn't about us micromanaging. It wasn't about us, you know, making sure that we had all the right calls and we did everything and we let people be, you know, we let people do. And that's the power of culture. You know, I think if your vision is clear, if your vision is properly defined and you're constantly casting it, people will grab a hold of it, man. And you won't have to micromanage people to certain levels because you know that your DNA is right. And you know that their heart is behind Jesus and to protect the vision of this house. And they're going to do everything they can within those parameters to do what God's called them to do. Hey man, that's, that's amazing. Empowering others. That's, that's the key right there. Empowering others. And, and we're continually learning that because I, I feel like if leaders are secure enough to empower others, I think man, we can change the world. Amen. I believe that too. Um, the, the podcast name is Bless Not Stressed. And there's some people right now that are living in stress because of this whole pandemic. There's some people that are stressing, you know, and they watch the news and they end up even more stressed. And, and they, they hear the, the, what the job needs to tell them and, and they're stressed out. What's your message to them, to the people that are stressing so much right now? Yeah, um, such a great question, man. I would say, I would say this to the blessed, not stressed community is your future is not in your hands and your future is not in a politician's hands. Your future is not in a boss's hands. Um, your future is in the Lord's hands. And like we've been talking about my journey as a church planter and as a pastor now, um, knowing that the future of my church, the future of my family, um, it was, it's, it's in God's hands. I would say the same thing to you. You know, to know that even though this caught you by surprise, and even though this has you not sleeping at night and worrying about it day and night and trying to, you know, figure things out and find the reasoning behind everything, I think it's a season to learn how to exchange trust. I think it's a season where you need to truly be vulnerable before the Lord and say, God, I'm going to trust you when things don't make sense. I'm going to trust you when things don't make, don't, you know, aren't lining up because life isn't a calculator. And so I would say this, man, like the Lord who, is on the throne, has your life in his hands and has your future in his hands. And so what we have to do right now is submit to that, you know, and I would encourage everybody um, in this season to read uh, the book of Philippians. It's four chapters. You can read that in 15 to 20 minutes because it's all about finding joy in the worst season of your life. You know, my guy Paul is in prison, you know, chained up, ready, getting ready to face his death sentence. And yet here he is teaching the, tur- the church at uh, Philippi of how to define joy in the worst of the worst times, uh, knowing that anxiety and depression cannot reign in our lives, right? Because there is joy that is anchoring our soul. And no matter what I'm facing, no matter what my circumstances look like, I know that that joy is sustainable and that joy remains in me no matter what it looks like. And so I would just, uh, I would just remind you of that, man. It's a season where you learn how to exchange trust. Trust away from the things you can control and giving it to God. Amen. Because your resources don't come from a man. Your joy doesn't come from a man. Uh, uh, your peace doesn't come from man. It comes from God. And so if you can trust him and wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to give you this day. God, I'm going to give you my finances. God, I'm going to give you my ministry and trust in him that and walk in that. You're going to see your life change drastically. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Rich. Um, now, the last question that I have, and this is because I always think about 
you know, God has, since the age of 15, God has been talking to me about ministry and ministry. And, and, you know, one day I believe it, that's what God has called me to do, you know, to one day open up a church, plant a church. Um, Yeah. So that's, let me be a part of that story, man. If I can help you in any way, because I have a heart for church planners, man. So please count on me. Amen. Thank you so much. So now one of the things is I am looking always, I'm like, Lord, what name will I use for my church? And this is why, because now you look on Google and you put whatever name and they all come out already, like five names of the same. How did Generation Church, like, what well, did you have any troubles with that? You know, finding did, Generation man. and nobody else has it. I did. I did have troubles with it, man, because uh, we had never heard of that name before. You know, there's a lot of Generations Church with an S yeah. right everywhere. And, you know, Generations national you know international all this stuff and so you know in the midwest you hear a lot of that but um that name just came to us man when we really uh got a hold of the why remember i told you we wrestled down our why uh god sent us to uh psalm 145 verse 4 that says generation after generation tells each other stories of god's mighty acts and so that's what we really built a church upon like one generation telling stories of god's faithfulness to the next and so we were like man that's my story. You know, not, you know, God has redeemed me, restored me. I'm building a family now and I want that story to be passed on. And so then that's where the name generation came. But on the legal side of it, it was hard because uh, <laughs> there is, there is two generation churches in Florida. Now they're not in South Florida, but we found out about them when we were trying to buy a website domain. <laughs> I mean, it was like, <laughs> for some reason, this uh, generation church in, in central Florida and Jupiter area bought all the domains, man. So oh, every generation online dot everything was taken. Um, and we, you know, we knew what our name was. We had, you know, we were so zealous about it. And so we said, you know, we're going to find a way to make it work. And so we landed on mygeneration.cc. And um, that's what we ran with. And it works. It's simple. My generation is everywhere. And um, that's what we did, man. But, but the name, I think, has to definitely be a part of your why. It can't just Amen. be a second name. It can't just be something that sounds good or looks good like a logo. It's It's got to be a part of your vision. It's got to be a part of the why. And so whatever name you choose, man, uh, I'm sure when you start defining your why, right, that name is just easily going to come. And yours is family, right? Well, our generation. Uh, yep. Our, our second core value, which is the most popular value in our house, is that we are a family that fights for family. I love it. And, you know, my church right now, we are called One Family because we're all one family in Christ. So I, I, I love how we're all here together. Um, yeah. It's crazy because Generation Church, now that you just told me, you know, it's by Ponce. That's literally like 30 minutes away from me. Yeah. So as soon as those doors open, you know, I'm, I'm going to go there just to visit you guys and, and be part love, of it. I would love to host you, man, you and the team and, and really just show you the ins and outs, man. I think that's what we're here for, how this works. If that's what God has in your heart, man, I want to be able to serve you and um and help you in any way you can but i know when this pandemic is over now that we've started and connected um just to be able to grab grab, grab some coffee man and talk life and ministry i would love to do that dear so thank Amen. you so much man. thank you so much thank you so much for watching and listening to this podcast our goal has been to empower you with the word of god and if god has planted a vision in your heart go after it. it doesn't matter what you're going through right now you might see success but sacrifice is what leads you to that so i hope you're all blessed not stressed All right, guys. Love you. Bless not stress family. We are in this together. Come on. The best days are ahead of us.